Actor and filmmaker Ann Johnston Brown has spent the past 35 years navigating the ups and downs of Hollywood. With a master's degree in theater arts, Ann was a professor at the prestigious American Academy of Dramatic Arts in Los Angeles and is the author of several books published by Smith & Krauss, the world's largest of its kind. Her films on the subject of homelessness have won countless awards, and her voice can be heard throughout the world in a variety of television and radio commercials, as well as the audiobooks of many New York Times and USA Today best-selling authors. And now, she brings to you the best of what she's learned. Welcome to The Actor's Guide. All right, we are back with another episode of The Actor's Guide, and today it's going to be really exciting, guys, because we have a guy on the show who is going to give you a lot of tips on how to make it in the industry, but what he's also going to do is tell you about a fascinating part of his life that uh, most people can't say they've done. And I'm not going to say any more than just to tease it up that way, and I want to introduce him right now. His name is Christopher Kyer, and a lot of of you may already know who he is. I'm sure you do. But I want to bring him on right now, and we're going to talk about his work in Hollywood as an acting coach and then also as a theater director and just so many other things. Hi, Chris. Thanks for coming on. It's great to talk to you, man. Hey, Anne. Thanks for having me on. This is great. <laughs> oh, I mean, we've got some plans with you. I, I know uh, I'm hoping to have you on uh, more than once because you have so much to offer this audience. And uh, I just want to get started, though, with uh, just just uh, the basics, uh, you know, because uh, everybody has a story for how they got started. How did you get into the industry? That is a loaded question. Uh -oh. uh -oh. I could tell you so many ways of how I did it. But we'll start. How about the beginning where I grew up in Michi Michigan? How's okay. Hey. I grew up in a tiny town, Muskegon, Michigan. And it was in my blood. I auditioned for local theater productions. My parents wouldn't take me, so I'd hitch rides with my friends. And the biggest role I got was the Artful Dodger and Oliver. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what's this? I could turn to another character, and the audience laughed mm. at me. But... What I ended up doing, and before that, I was a puppeteer. I started, oh. my, my creativity never ends now because of that cultivating imagination as a kid. So at the age of 12, I actually put an A out of the paper. You could never do that today. Oh. And for $75, you picked me up and, you know, station wagon, and you took my puppets and my stage to your mother-daughter banquet, your birthday party, oh. father-daughter banquet. And I entertained for 75 bucks. And I, I would book myself in a book. I had my little dates, right? And that's how I started my whole career oh my as gosh. an entrepreneur and a puppeteer. <laughs> and that that's... was the start of my career in Michigan. Okay, but then how did you make your way out to Hollywood? Well, that's a long, uh -oh. long way uh -oh. to get there. But let's say from the point of Michigan, on my senior year in high school, I drove to Detroit. Oh. Uh, my senior year, Easter time, they were having auditions all over the Midwest for a local theme park in Ohio called Cedar Point. Mm -hmm. Now, Cedar Point is the king of the Midwest. They had shows, live shows, and they hired about 125 performers in the summer to be in all these shows. So I auditioned, and I was very raw. My talent was just over-the-top silliness, but I sang character songs, and the director at the time liked my work, and he put me in the America Singing Show, which was the All-American Show. And then I stayed there for five years in the seasons because... The director of the shows there, his name was Michael Sarter, he was my best friend, and he groomed me, mentored me, and showed me exactly 
what my talents were. He gave me audition songs I'd never even heard of. He wrote shows for me. I'm Medicine Man. I was a fast-talking Medicine Man. Well, you think I could do that? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm it was the start it, yeah. of my career. Oh. And then from then on, and I auditioned after five years, I flew to Chicago to audition for Walt Disney World, where oh. I did a year there as entertainer. And I'm telling you, these are all layers. Yes. And it just evolved and evolved. And then I went on the cruise ships. Yeah. I auditioned, uh, moved to New York and auditioned for cruise ships. Oh, yeah. So it was all family entertainment. I chose my my venue and what I wanted to go into my line of work and it was always family entertainment. And 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 one thing I'm learning from a lot of the actors and and the and and the professionals we've had on the show is about those layers because we don't just say I'm going to be an actor in Hollywood or wherever. You don't just do that. You have there's just so many like cruise ships and 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 a, and another thing that you did and this is what I kind of teased up in the intro. So I'm going to get it out of the way now because you've got to tell us about your work with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus as a ringmaster. Tell us about how you got that job and and about the distinction you had. Well, and layers is it. I mean, at times I'm teaching classes now and I'm doing workshops and I direct productions around the country. People say you make it look so easy. Oh, yeah. Well, I know it's part of myself <laughs> the cruise ships, part of the theme parks, part of the circuses in me. Right. But Peter Point and Walt Disney World groomed me for that job. And oh. here's how I got the position. Okay. I was in New York and I've been doing some industrial shows and doing some announcing and some dinner theater around the area. But they had a, a, an audition in the paper called Backstage and it said, searching for the ringmaster of the Ringling Butters Bottom Bay Circus. Okay. And I said, now, there's a role that I could do. I am groomed for this. <laughs> I was young. I was 27, and I thought, if this isn't rigged, I'm going to get this job. Oh, my God. Well, they had auditions all over the country, and they flew seven finalists to the center ring of the greatest show on earth in Chicago. Chicago, again, is a wow. great city for me for auditions. Yeah. And I auditioned. I had to sing, announce, an interview with Kenneth Fell, the producer. And I was chosen to be the youngest at the time and only a 27th ringmaster in the 115-year history of the greatest show oh, on earth. Oh, my goodness. And at the time, you were the youngest ever that – I understand there's like some three-year-old that did it in like 2005 or something. But at the, <laughs> at the time, at the time, at your age – and I I'm, I doubt that, that the three-year-old was taken as seriously as you were at 27. Well, no, he wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't, he didn't take the job. Right. I didn't I played 52 cities in oh. 10 months, and I lived on a circus train wow. with all of the animals and with all of the performers, the clowns, these international oh performers, God. trapeze artists, teeterboard artists. But you know what? I had nothing in my background for the circus, so I had to learn everything oh. from the terminology to what it was right to, to stand, stand in the center of the greatest show on earth and announce like I was in charge of the whole production. I knew what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. It was one of the most challenging and important roles I've ever had in my career. Wow. Wow. And there you go. It was a role. Actually, that was a role. I mean, I would call it ringmaster, which really, you know, there's so much more to it than just probably a, a, a typical theater role. But it was still a role. You had to learn everything about your character of ringmaster. Knowing so much. Without a doubt, it was a role. But I can remember Michael Starr, this director I had back at Cedar Point, he was teaching me one of these vaudeville shows. He was going to stand there with your feet apart like the ringmaster of the circus. And then he <laughs> gave me this booming voice and he showed me how to do it. So it is another layer yes. that came through. But the character was in my hip pocket. I just need to groom and, and, and get it a little bit more honed in. And that's what happened on the road with The Greatest Show on Earth. My, my hosting and my, my commanding position in that job really came through. And you know what, Ann? This is what an entrepreneur can do. Okay. You visualize anything. Yeah. When you visualize it, it can happen. If the odds are with you, 
I always say it's, uh, success is when talent and luck meet, you know, then preparation. You have mm-hmm. to have that preparation and luck. Mm-hmm. But after I finished my year with The Greatest Show on Earth, I thought to myself, now this is a good idea for a book. Ooh. So I had kept a journal all my life, so I had a daily journal. Well, I started, back then there was a thing called a phone book, and there were yellow pages. Right. I went through the yellow pages in Manhattan <laughs> and started calling publishers. Hi, I'm the youngest ringmaster of the greatest show on earth. I got an idea for a book, blah, blah, blah. I finally got to the E's, E.P. Dutton, which is a form of, uh, a foundation of, of uh, Penguin USA. Oh, right? sure. A division of that. Sure. And I hit an editor who said, oh, I love the circus. I said, let me come in and talk to you about it. So all I did was go in there, showed them pictures of me, and told them what it was like to go to the greatest show on earth. And they said, yes, we'll take the book. Oh. Three and a half years later, after writing it, I had it in my hand. But it was a long, laborious oh, uh, well, yes. in, 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 in undertaking. And wasn't that, that another that's layer? A, a mind can see yeah, it. You can yeah. see it. You can go for it. You know? <laughs> and that, that, that was another layer of your fascinating yep. career, book writing. And uh, because, let's face it, even at that you know, with that limited amount of experience, it was so just so uh, full and bountiful. I mean, as far as being a ringmaster, there's a book right there, just as being a ringmaster. But yeah, and you know what allowed me to see things that I would use later on in life as a director because oh, yes. I was dealing with flying and rigging and aerialists and understanding how that all works. Sure. So I could incorporate that in shows down the road. But you know what? I I am the type of performer that when I lived in New York City, I would take a job. I would go on the cruise ships. I did crucifix for five months with my club act. Right. I would do that. But my friends always said, oh, I would never leave the city to do that. I would never leave because they were waiting tables and they wanted to get a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Well, I took anything I could get. <laughs> I just took the next adventure. Okay, uh, here's a note, everybody. Layer, the next layer, the next layer. Here's a note, everybody. He just said it. You, you took what came to you. You took what you could get. You weren't being picky. You just said, I, I've got to get, I've got to fill up my resume. i got to fill up my experiences, you know, and, and, and those are the layers you're talking about. And I didn't know. I didn't know how much later in life all of those things would happen right. to culminate with my career as a teacher and a director and things I've done since then. Because, you know, being a performer as well, most performers, most performers do not have a business sense at all. I right. could just teach a workshop in business. There you go. Of, of the business. The business because of Because I find mm-hmm. a lot of these actors who come out of colleges mm-hmm. are well prepared with dance, singing, acting, mm-hmm. and their technique is there. But they don't have the business right, sense. Right. And I was blessed with both. Oh, I'm God. my own agent, basically. I push myself. I, I get myself auditions. I've, I've, <laughs> I can tell right, you so many stories right. how I got into auditions. It would just blow well, your mind. Oh, my God. Well, I want to know those stories. I want to know. In fact, uh, I'm going to skip forward because, uh, you know, I, had, I was going to ask you uh, if you had an agent and if so, how you landed your agent. Uh, so are you saying you didn't? You got all your own auditions well here's what i did okay in in new york city at the time there was a catch-22 in the actors equity professional union you could not get in that union unless you got a professional job right but how do you get into an audition for a professional right. job right you can't get in they had a monitor at every audition yes. sitting there not letting non-equity people that's in. right oh chris kyer uh-uh <laughs> don't, don't tell me i can you tell me where can and i will show you wrong i do i do not love i, I hate the word can i do not Love to hear that word. That's interesting. So okay. I sat there, and I sat there. I'd get to 6 in the morning, mm-hmm. and I'd make an unofficial non-equity list. I'd write my name at the top. And I'd wow. sit there, and I'd sit there with other actors, and I did it for three months in New York City, wow. freezing cold, waiting outside, with the hopes of getting to audition. Now, with that, the actor's equity, if there's a lull in auditions, 
that monitor can let you go in and audition. Right. If there's no actually I know. Waiting. Yeah. And, and I got to did. a point where I was waiting for uh, an industrial show. I knew I was right for it. it, it the uh-huh. breakdown, I saw it in the trade papers. It was for Pepsi. It was a Pepsi announcer. And it was actually contract, an industrial contract. And I just sat there and I schmoozed with the, the monitor every time I see the same <laughs> monitor at the audition. And he said, you know what, go on in. You can oh, go in now. Wow. So I went in, blew them away, and I got my equity card within a matter of three months. Long, long waiting times, yeah. but I got my equity card. Okay, so see, what we're... that job took me out to the Midwest yeah. in, by myself in a van doing this one-man <laughs> show all over the Midwest. <laughs> and, another layer. and there's another layer, but let me say this too. Come on, the biggest note of the day is that you sacrificed you 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 knew what you wanted you you spoke before about visualizing it and i'm sure you could see yourself getting through that monitor passing by that monitor being allowed in you visualized that and i'm not saying we're all magicians i'm just saying you you set a goal and that's what it was. And you you said you were going to achieve it. I think we don't have enough strong-minded uh, people these days that are willing to make those sacrifices. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out. I'm putting it out, the goal out to the audience right now listening. You've got to be a Chris Kyer. You've got to be willing to sit, stand there in the cold uh, until you get the— Listen, I can't teach passion. I could not teach that no, part of it. No, of course not. And if you eat, sleep, and breathe, and this is something you really want to do. I can mm-hmm. tell you a story about a girl that's 11 years old that's doing a lead, lead in a feature film right now, her first feature film out in Canada, and she studied with me for two years. What I teach is I teach them how to walk in a room, how to have confidence, right. how to single yourself out so they remember you. Right. Audition is the most important thing, but marketing yourself, putting yourself out there. The only crime you can commit in, your, in show business is to be too shy. Right. That's the only crime you commit in L.A. especially. Well, you know, so, you only get one chance. So you got to go in and get, give it all it. you got, right? May, uh, what so, we and, say, and take a risk. Agent, I mean, I did end up having an agent out here in, and, well, in New York. I sent my resume in for one agent, and it was the oddest thing what she called me in for. But usually, to get an agent, you meet your friends, well recommend you to them to get in the door yeah that's the best way that is, is to have a friend who's with an agency and yeah. say you got to see my buddy especially an actor who's making money for them they will see your friend you can do you cold see? calls it's just it's just really hard uh, to even yeah. like you know you really in fact i was talking with another uh guest yesterday and and you know we were just talking about the whole networking thing and just just ask around like you said you know your friends can refer you and and this is why networking and workshopping and getting out there and knowing people, that's so important. Going to going to parties, going to industry you know, parties. Which, which, which leads me to, you just said industry parties, which leads me to an interesting thing. I moved out from New York after being in New York for eight years, and I, I said, okay, I'm not going to get my Broadway show because the, the way they were going with shows, it was not my style of performing. So I came out of the West Coast. A friend of mine had an agency, and I was working for the agency, uh, screening all their kids' talent. Uh-huh. And this one mother said, you know, you got to go be my friend at this party. This, I, don't, I don't like parties. you got to go to this party, she said. <laughs> I said, okay. She goes, they have a new show that's going to be on, and they, they picked up the, the pilot. They don't know what they're going to call it yet, but it's with Disney. And I want you to meet the director. I said, okay. So I went down, met the producer, met her friend. And she goes, you know what? What do you do? I said, I, I teach kids. She goes, you know what? You need to meet, meet our director. So I went next day, met the director over at the Disney Studios on the lot. He liked me. He put me as assistant, and what the position was called was called the dialogue coach. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I was the dialogue coach, the acting coach on the set for Boy Meets World the first season. There you are. Yep, you, you got in. And started me in Hollywood. Yeah. I was paid... I was paid to sit there, watch the director, how they do a table read, how a four-camera show works, 
I was paid to do it. I learned. Oh, wow. But again, if I hadn't gone to that party, <laughs> I wouldn't have the interview. See? But yeah. If you, if you get that opportunity, you better have the goods. Well, in other words, you yeah. won't last in this town right. without having your layers because I could go there and I could have blown the interview or on the first day of the set not know what I was doing with the kids. Right. But I had those experience behind me. Right. So you just have to be, be out there ready for it. But you have to make sure you can deliver. That's well, you know, we, we, we have a, you know, a, a phrase we say, always be on. And, and for me, if you, if you are, you are aspiring in, in, you know, in the industry, you're aspiring to, to do what you want to do. And most of us want, wanted to become actors in, in the industry, regardless of which city you were in, theater, New York, improv. Oh, it doesn't or, matter. Yeah, it doesn't that matter. It does not matter. But if you are I'll tell on. you why that doesn't matter, Ann. Okay. This is, uh, I have, so many stories. Okay, <laughs> in between the summers at Cedar Point, I would go down to Florida, okay. and I started college for a couple of quarters, and college wasn't for me. It's just for some people, it wasn't for me. So they had interviews for the city of Clearwater. They were looking for the children's drama specialists who run a theater there. Mm-hmm. I got the position over, over people who had degrees. Okay, oh. I went interviewed, and I had my own theater down there. Well, I hear about this film they're going to be making, a Robert Altman film in St. Petersburg, about mm-hmm. 20 miles south of where I was. And it was going to be starring Lauren Bacall, uh, James Garner, Dick Cavett, and my favorite, Carol Burnett. Mm. I said, oh, I just got to be Carol Burnett. <laughs> so as the children's drama specialist and director of Clearwater Players there, I sent a letter, and I just sent it to the hotel where they were going to be filming, the Don Cesar Hotel, and I put attention casting director for Health, this movie called Health. <laughs> I just said, hi, my name's Christopher Kyer. I'm the, the uh, children's drama specialist at Clearwater. I'd like to come in if I could just interview or meet Carol Burnett. The next thing I know, I get a call from the casting director. Wow. Says, We'd like you to come in for a preliminary interview. I said, what? A preliminary interview. I went in. Little did I know, I was auditioning for a role. <gasps> I got the role. I was on the set of Health with Robert Altman and Carol Burnett. I was doing a scene with Linda Jackson right next to me and Carol Burnett. I put my arm around Carol Burnett. I was 19 years old. I was going like, what the heck? All from a letter that I sent in. Well, you know and if at? you hadn't written the letter, we talk ourselves out of taking these risks. What is the risk? What would have been the real damage done had you sent the letter and it didn't turn out the way you wanted? Yeah. But it turned yeah, out exactly. the way you wanted. <laughs> you have to go for but it goes back to, again, having yeah. that passion, yeah. the drive, okay. and it's innately in me. It is an innate quality in yeah. me, and I know the ones where they come through. Yeah. Like the girl that just booked, who's been in my school classes for two years, I knew she was a book because she knew her lines every week. Yeah. She wanted it. And I couldn't. So, the other kids learned their lines in the car on the way over yeah. to class. Oh, she, <laughs> she, she was, was ready. Prepared. I love yep. that she was prepared. She did her homework. And when I talk about homework, I, I you know, we've talked about this in, in on the show is research and just developing your character and thinking about your choices and just and just and just and just you know living the role as we say. Uh, even if you're auditioning, you need to do your homework. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't have enough. Uh, I know for a lot of people, and we've been talking about this is is television auditioning. You will do sometimes three or four in a day so you don't have a lot of time to do you know a lot of research but the no, point you get the sides two or days before or even that before. morning even that morning sometimes that morning. i've even gotten them you know literally in the car driving over my my agent would say you know we're sending them over now but get in the car and and so that's what we call freezing cold reads usually but uh yes. but, but the thing is i'm getting from you though because i was going to ask you as a director and we'll get into 
some well we're <laughs> we're uh, getting a lot here. Time for that. That'll uh, be you, the next production. <laughs> you know what? We are going to do another episode with Chris Kyer. So I'm not going to worry that we're running out of time. We're going to do a 30 minute here, but I am going to bring you back because I wanted to just kind of uh, put a little button in this whole auditioning aspect. You have so much to offer people as far as your uh, you know advice on auditioning, and I'm hearing. Yeah, next you, time we we talk and we'll yes. talk about how I evolved into being a director and then a teacher and, and yes. having my classes. But more than anything, the audition, the audition, yes. the audition. Yes. That's where it all is about. So if you this, don't mm-hmm. have that technique down, mm-hmm. you will never land a job because those producers can smell any hesitation. You've and, got to be prepared. So when you're coaching, uh, uh, you know, one of your actors, one of your young actors, any any age actor, uh, and they have a side in their hands, a piece, uh, you know, aside from the script, uh, what what would you say to them is the first thing they do with that? Well, this is what I teach in my classes, but the bottom line is they have to make sure they've, they've read the whole entire thing. And then they have to decide where it takes place. We were about motivation, who they are. Right. And you have to visualize the whole scene. And you have to visualize what happened before and after the scene. And that happened in the technique. Mm-hmm. But going through all of this, it just evolved as a director. And I ended up directing musicals all over the country, different theaters. And going the audition process, I really should give an audition workshop because well, yeah, we'll I do know that. what people do right or wrong mm-hmm. when they walk in the room. Mm-hmm. I never, ever look at a resume, mm-hmm. ever. And then once I see the person... Mm-hmm. And I like them or something I like about them. I'll flip the resume over and see if they know anybody I've worked with or where do they study or where do they get this technique that they have. Good. But nothing on the resume impresses me to hire them. It's what they do in that moment. Right. But more people don't know how to audition. They see the wrong so songs. What, what they see the we'll wrong do, things. They walk right. in the wrong way. Oh, boy. It's very frustrating for me to sit there and watch it. So what we're going to do, Chris, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot now. We're going to come back with you uh, with a master class for auditioning. And that's what we're going to do on the show. We'll have it, and we'll we'll advertise it. Start start thinking about it now, audience uh, listeners. Right now, we will be doing a masterclass uh, with Chris Kyer. I've already put I've already put him on the calendar. Uh, and so let's <laughs> so let's move uh, let's move away from that for a second because then this this is something that you'll that the the audience is going to come back for. And I want more details on that another time. Oh, sure. we're going to get lots of details in the masterclass. But uh, I wanted to ask you. I, I understand. Stand though too, you've been a voice actor uh, uh, in your career. Uh, how did you do that? How did you get into that? I mean, that's just one of those layers, right? Yeah, my agent sent me on a few things. Uh, I've done a lot of commercials, uh-huh. and I've done some episodic television, a few films. Um, but when it came, it's a niche. It's a certain group of people. Once you can break into that, you are a voice over talent. I have a friend, Sandy Fox. She does a lot of different voices, Betty Boop and, and anime and things uh-huh. like that. She and her husband have a big career in it. I never made a full-time career. That's their full-time career and their passion. Yeah. I've dabbled in it. I did uh, cartoons, voice for cartoons and, and things like that. If you, if you uh, Google my name on YouTube, Christopher Kyer, up would come a lot of my commercials and my okay. voiceover. It's another style. It's over the top, and it's, it's silly to sometimes with cartoons. <laughs> but voiceover work, you have to have a quick study. You have to be a quick study and right. have a mind that can visualize each character right. and get there quickly. Right. There you go. And that's true of a lot uh, of, of, of television roles, not so much theater as it is television, voice and television. Uh, to me, I think that, that uh, you have to be able to make choices quickly. Uh, yeah, it moves fast. Yes. I did an episode of Quantum Leap years ago, 
and I auditioned in the morning, and then I got the job in the afternoon by the producers. I was on the set the next morning. Mm, wow. I was filming it the next morning, and it was pages <laughs> of dialogue. Oh, wow. See, you don't know how so fast this is going to happen. That's not such good things on TV because <laughs> they move so quickly, you know? Yes, and relationships. You know, I've talked with other guests about uh, the, uh, the, the uh, concept of relationships in the scene. In the scene, you and the other char- your character and the other characters, and and you know we in, as theater actors often take we have lots of time to develop what we feel about the other actors and or the characters and how we you know are going to use either that tension or whatever you know for our motivations. But in television, uh, it it is it is a is snappy snappy situation. You have to trust your instincts and have good instincts. Hone right. in on your instincts. Yep. And and what would you say then uh, to to achieve those types of quick instincts? Are there do you do you suggest improvisational exercises? What what do you suggest for the actor? study study study? And it can be anything from an improvisational class to a dance class to an acting class. Uh-huh. Anything will will add layers that you have, and you'll pull up on it quickly when you're on the set. Right. And and so in this regard, do you think that acting workshops that you know these once a week, you know Monday night acting workshops that are offered on every street corner in L.A., do you think that they're helpful? Let me say this, and I've said this for years. I've taught twenty thousand kids for twenty years. And I've never advertised once. Yeah. Beware of people who advertise. Right. That's what I tell people all the time. Okay. Only word of mouth. The only way you find me is word of mouth. Okay, great. And all that's right. a reputation thing. And and if you char and if they charge large fees, you you really should not be having to pay for a connection. Uh, they, they they charge you and then they yeah, say sometimes uh, they will have the the SAG workshops where they bring in a oh, casting sure, director. And sure. You're seen by them. That's different. That's because then different. you're being seen by a casting director. That's very important. If you're but, a yeah, SAG I've actor, a lot though. Of people c- you have to be sa- you have to be SAG though to get into those showcases. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Definitely. So I'm talking yeah, about the it, non. There's a lot of rackets out there, and I've had a lot of students come in. Uh, matter of fact, the girl that got the feature film I worked with her for two years. She was terrible when she came. And she t- she spent thousands of dollars at this acting mm. school on the East Coast, and it was just a racket. And I said that we got to strip that all away, right. Camilla. We got to take that away, yeah. and we got to start from the basis. And we yeah. did. But Good. yeah, it's it's just be wary and ask around friends who are professionals who have taken classes. Right. Ask them. It's, reference is the best way. So uh, so as I said. I want to bring you in to do a, a master class in auditioning, uh, and and you know uh, about auditioning because of your own experience, but also as a director, you've had to probably sit through thousands of auditions, auditioning, you know, actors for your, yes, your show. Will, you know what? We'll do that. We'll do that in the master class. We'll tell us about anecdotes, what they did right or wrong, or right. what I think, and, and why I, why I cast the way I cast. Okay. People always wonder why, and I'll, right. I'll explain that too. There's and a that, lot of layers to that isn't there and that's the it's the picking uh, of the brain of a director that most people don't get usually get the chance to do uh they usually just have to it's just some mystery i wonder what they're they think or what they you know uh but for Mm -hmm. a director like you to tell us you know give us some little inside uh you know what 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 you what you what you directors think that is a wonderful opportunity for our listeners so we are going to do that for sure what are you working on now uh, I know you're a teacher you have you know your classes in LA that you teach but what uh, do you have any projects coming up 
Well, with COVID, the theaters that I dealt with are closed. One's oh. a church now, the one I used to do. It's so depressing for me because all the smaller uh, venues, are they couldn't make it. They couldn't right. pull through. You know right. what I mean? I know. So I have nothing on the docket in terms of directing right now, but mm-hmm. I have another project that I'm working on. I can tell you about that another time. It's another whole story. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for the next uh, adventure around the corner. Right. Life is an adventure. A career is an adventure. I don't let it come to me. Right. I make it happen. But when I get an idea, I make it a right reality. An right. idea is just an idea to make a reality. And most people don't finish the project. Well, they what don't. what are you mostly a musical theater when you do theater uh, uh, direction? Is that is your genre? Yes, music- when I direct, it's always musical theater. Okay. Always musical theater. And always, always Family entertainment. It can be with flying. I have a lot of flying in my shows, <laughs> spectacles, and uh, always family entertainment. My yeah. favorite show is Peter Pan. Oh. I've done it seven or eight times now around the country. <laughs> I play Captain Hook, and I also direct it. And my Peter Pan is, is I love the show because I identify with the character. You know, Chris, and that's why. I not, think not I saw Captain you. Hook. I identify with Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, but I do think I saw you play uh, Captain Hook in a Peter Pan production. I think I did at the at the Grove. Yeah, you did about ten years ago at the at the Grove. Oh Theater my Netflix. gosh! I, now yeah. I remember. Yeah. Now I oh yeah. you were um, oh that was absolutely riveting. That was fantastic. Uh, so yeah, guys, you show. you are going to want to come back, guys, uh, to listen to uh, to Chris Kyer, Christopher Kyer, give a masterclass on auditioning. This man knows what he's talking about, and so we are going to devote at least one session to that and and maybe others in the future. So, uh, Chris, I just want to uh, thank you for coming on. My goodness, I feel like, has it been 30 minutes? This is crazy. Uh, we've got so much more to talk about, but we're going to be hearing from you again. And meantime, everybody, uh, listen, take this advice. Use his advice. Listen to this podcast again. This will be very beneficial when when you get out there. And don't forget, what what did you say, Chris? Uh, you got to have passion, right? Uh, I can't teach passion. You can't teach it. you have to have that. You know if you have it or not. That's right. If you don't, go find another passion. There you go. And so if you don't have the passion, guys, get out of the business. Don't even try. Yep. All right, man. Thank you, Chris. Stay on the line. I'm going to close this out. But guys, come on back next time. This has been the Actor's Guide. Tag, you're it. This has been the Actor's Guide. For more information about Ann Johnston Brown or to join the tag team, please visit our website at ajbprods.com slash podcast.